today, this afternoon, and uh, like one minute this afternoon, two minutes this afternoon right now. And uh, I want to introduce her, and I, your last name's, I, uh, yeah, Ledesma, okay, and uh, I know, (laughs) Freddie, you could have brought like an easy last name like Salcedo or something, (laughs) but, uh, but I've, I've known them for a few years now, and uh, have just enjoyed the whole family, as you can see. And uh, her mom uh, was Pastor uh, Dell, or is still is Pastor Dell. But, uh, but anyway, that was up here and part of the Q and A, and and uh, they do worship. Uh, her and her husband uh, lead the youth ministry there. They're the youth pastors, and they're just. Uh, she also uh, leads a women's ministry that uh, is actually nationwide, right? And, uh, and so she's going to speak. And so let's stand to our feet and let's give, uh, let's give our dear friend and uh, uh, just wonderful, wonderful uh, person, uh, Bethany. Uh, yeah. yeah that's good. Bethany, come on up. Let's give her a big old hand. Help me out with that last name. Leresma. Okay. All right. God bless you. God bless you, ma'am.
love it. Um, and I went to Bible school, like I said, um, and I've got four great kiddos. And Pastor Marvin and Pastor Patty came, and they asked me to, to come and just share my story with you. And it's insane what's come out. Because as I was preparing for this, the Lord had me writing things out. And, and the things that he gave me were exactly the same things that we've heard all weekend. And he said for me to say, this is not your story. This is everybody's story. It is all of our story. It doesn't matter if the circumstances are different. It doesn't matter if the culture is different. It doesn't matter if there was differences, per se, in your story. We all have the same story because, just like Rita had said, we all come from Eve. We are all just like Eve. Yeah, we are all Eve. But we have this guy, Jesus. That is our story right there. We all have the same story, the same ending because of Jesus. Amen? Um, He's so good. He's so good. So I grew up in church. I am one of four kids. Obviously, my parents are pastors. I have been in ministry my whole life. I have never known anything different. And and, um, a pastor said, the pastor from New Covenant, she said the same things like, I don't really have a lot of really traumatic things that happen in my life. You know, I grew up a good childhood, grew up in church. I was born on a Friday, and I promise you by Sunday morning I was in church nursery. That is not an exaggeration. So I grew up in church. I learned all the stories. I learned all the songs, all the memory verses. In youth group, I went to every rally, every camp, every conference, everything. And when I was turned 18, I went to Bible college, and I sat under some of the most powerful, rich word for two years. And then I went back to the local church and started serving in the local church. But obviously, pastors wouldn't ask me to minister to you today if that was the only thing that I had to share, is that I I had everything together. It was always perfect. I had this great depth and knowledge of the word. No. This is a a conference about freedom. (laughs) It's a conference about freedom. And I have to tell you, when we sing that song, No Longer Slaves, that is like the anthem of my life. Because fear, anxiety, and insecurity were, I was a slave to them. I, they made every decision for me from the time I was very, very, very little. And, and I don't even remember when it started, but some of my very earliest memories are being afraid. And being af- so they started making decisions for me very early. You know, like, like she said, feelings don't get to vote. Those feelings voted on everything. Every choice I made, every opportunity I took, everything was dictated by either fear, some insecurity I felt, or anxiety. And, and pastors asked me to come and share with you a little bit about that today because I reached this breaking point. And um, there was a lot of shame in my story because here I am, church girl, that's living with all of this bondage. Church girl in a faith church, guys. Living with all of this bondage. And the shame that I felt from living in bondage, sitting under the word and knowing what the word said about what I felt and yet still not experiencing freedom. But I got it. Amen. I got it. And that's why I'm here today to share with you that you can have it too. It doesn't matter if you're like my husband. You know, I was just telling Debbie. I said, my husband, the the only testimonies I ever heard in church were like my husband's. He He was raised in a broken home, got involved in gangs, was a gang member, got radically saved. God did an incredible work. And, you know, like... Man, I wish I had a good story. (laughs) 
I always be like, man, I wish I had a good story like that. But I never heard someone get up and say, okay, I was in church and I still dealt with this my whole life. And to open up and be vulnerable enough to say, I don't have all of the answers. I don't have all of the freedom yet. And to be open enough to say, I need some help and I need some healing. And God met me there. Oh, and he wants to meet you here today too. Oh, God is so good. And he's so, he's just, when he comes in with his presence and he sets us free, there is nothing like it. Nothing like it. Um, I knew God had a plan for my life. And it wasn't until I actually realized that the enemy also had a plan for my life. The enemy has a plan for your life. And we heard a lot about it today. You know, about when you're really young, when you're really young, the enemy will start to work his plan in your life. And it wasn't until I realized that the fear keeping me from walking in God's plan, by default, I was walking in the plan the enemy had for my life. And that was like, whoo, light bulb moment that I was walking out the enemy's plan, not God's plan. And it's a a one-size-fits-all plan for everybody. And that is to steal, kill, and destroy. It's the same. It's the same for everybody. And and he goes through this process, and I kind of want to break it down. It's the same process that Eve went through. It's amazing that God took us all to Genesis 3. It's just amazing that God took us there. And, and, you know, it's only God. Only God. And um, we, just like Eve, she fell for the plan that the enemy had for her. And we, we do it all the time, and we may not even recognize that we're doing it. We don't even recognize it because it, it's, it's called deception. <laughs> you know, my pastor said, you don't know you're deceived because you're deceived. So turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1 really quickly, and then we're going to go to Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 1, uh, in just in verse 27, it says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. I think it was Rita that said they were already created like God, or was it you? They were already created like God. Okay, so they were created like God in his image and in his likeness, given attributes, put in the Garden of Eden. All right, and, and so go to, to Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to read through this pretty quickly, and then I'm going to go back through and, and kind of break it down. And I'm reading out of the NLT version. And it says, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it and you will be like God knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and it looked delicious. She wanted the wisdom it would, it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and she ate it. Then, God gave, then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord, the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God said, called to man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Um, and if you continue reading, it goes on to, you know, the blame game and all of that stuff. And um, I'm missing a page of my notes, so I'm going to wing it. And that's okay. So if we go back through it, we can see that this is the plan 
of the enemy. And the first thing that the enemy did, the very first thing, was cause confusion. He caused confusion with Eve because, okay, think about this for just a moment. These two people, created in God's image and likeness, given rule and authority over everything that God had had created. In the Garden of Eden, guys, God himself came down every night just to hang out with them. Okay? And, and, and so they had everything they could ever want or need. And so the enemy, the only way he could get in was to cause some confusion, to begin to doubt God. Did God really say? We read it in, in verse 1. It said, did God really say? And so Eve begins to, you know, like, well, did God really say that? You know, the waffling back and forth, that's where, that's where the enemy starts to work is when we get a little bit of confusion. And then he takes the next step. The next step is the deception, is, is to deceive, is that he takes the, and, and this is all fast-paced, you know, because your brain works so fast, so fast. This is not like, okay, step one and step two, the devil's going to deceive. It, it all goes super fast. And let me give you some examples of this. Is Okay, the confusion comes of, um, why did this happen to me? And she said, you know, there's, there's two voices that come. Why didn't this happen to me? And the confusion is, is which voice should I believe? Which voice should I believe? Which, which thought should I believe? And a lot of times it's things like, well, this happened to you because you are unloved. This happened to you because God's not for you. This happened to you because God's word doesn't work. Or this happens to you because you're disgusting. This happens to you because you are, you are nobody or you are unworthy this happen- and so we, we take these thoughts, and we are little when these things start to come to us. They are not like, when, like right now. Think back to your childhood. This stuff works fast. And, and parents, when you've got kids, pastor said you've got to get free. Because if you don't know how to battle that, you will allow your children to pick that right back up. Because you, you, there, there's so much warfare for our children. We cannot be with them 24-7, and we especially cannot be in their brain. We have no idea what the enemy is speaking to them. We have no idea. I was raised in a great home, and the lies that, that were told to me by the enemy was that my voice didn't matter. I wasn't talented. I wasn't gifted. I didn't matter. And, and you know, my parents loved me, guys. They loved me. And I was raised in the world, so we don't know what's going on in here. So parents, we, we got to take up a battle. And that, that's kind of what my ministry is that Pastor Marvin was talking about, is, is empowering women to get set free because we got to raise up world changers. And, and we ourselves got to be world changers because we believe not the lies of the enemy anymore. And so um, it comes really quickly, all right? And go, to, go back to um, in verse 2. Excuse me. Um, so the deception that, that the enemy gave is you're not going to die. So every time the enemy gives us a deception, there's going to be an element of truth in it. There is. There's an element of truth in it. He said, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God. And that was true, but he did say that you won't die. So there's an element of truth, but there is, it is a lie. It is a lie. Even though it has some truth in it, it is a lie. Because what happened when Eve ate the fruit? (laughs) Her eyes were opened. That's right, her eyes were opened. And so the next thing that comes is, is if you decide, 
okay, I'm going to believe that lie. It's belief. It's belief. And belief determines behavior. Whatever we do is based on what we believe. Whatever we do. You can think about every area of your life. How you listen, how you respond, everything is based on your belief. Eve was convinced, it says. She was convinced, so she acted out that belief. She acted out by reaching for the fruit and eating it. She was convinced that that lie was, that was true. God was holding out on her. There was something that God didn't give her that she had to go and get herself. And, and whatever we believe about ourselves, um, Eve believed that, that she wasn't enough. She had to go and get something that God didn't make her enough. And so she acted on that belief. And, and we do the same thing. We do the exact same thing. Whatever we believe on, we act on. And I believed myself to be unworthy. I believed myself to be unloved. I believed myself to be um, the wrong personality for ministry. I believed, oh, man, I believed so much. And it, I became convinced, absolutely convinced, just like Eve. And that determined then what I did. It determined what I did. And the woman was convinced, and she ate. And I acted on all of those things. And, and let's keep moving. In verse 7, it says, at, their, at that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. And so they f- sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Every single time, and without fail, every single time that we believe the lie of the enemy over the truth of God's word, every single time, it causes shame. Even if we don't know it, our spirit knows. Our spirit, that's why we feel shame as a little kid, even if we don't know the difference. Our spirit knows. When we believe that we are unworthy, our spirit knows it because our spirit was created in God's image and likeness. And so it, it grieves our spirit on the inside. And, and when we believe the lies of Satan, it causes shame. And Jamie just preached an awesome message about shame and how to get set free from shame. And it, it causes us to feel shame. And, and so in order for us to cover our shame, because we feel like we've got to cover it, nobody can see that shame. So in order for us to cover it, we kind of do it in a, in, a, in a wide variety of ways. Each woman is different how we cover our shame. Each woman is different. The pendulum swings wide. Some of them absolutely rebel and go wild and crazy. Some of them swing the other direction like myself and try and make everything perfect. Everything perfect. I, I have it all together. My life is great. Look at everything is perfect. I don't want you to see my mess, so I'm going to keep you at arm's distance. And my life is perfect. Okay, that's the, that's the other direction. And let me tell you, that lie from Satan, man, it'll mess you up. It will mess you up to think that you're the one that has to be perfect. It messes, guys, it, it, it wreaks havoc on your, your actual physical body as well. Um, and, and so I, I acted out these beliefs of being unworthy and insignificant, and I was so filled with shame and so I had to hide behind this wall of perfection. Well, perfection, because we, it's so wild. We all know that everybody's not perfect, and yet we try to portray perfection. Isn't it wild what we do? <laughs> we try to portray that we have it all together, and we fit, even though we know that other, and we say to other people, it's okay, you don't have to be perfect when we're like, but I want to be perfect, okay? So that might not be you, but that was definitely me. That was definitely me. Uh, and so it causes us to feel so much shame, and the, the insecurities, guys, it took me, the more I tried to cover it, 
the more insecure I felt. And if you're dealing with some serious insecurities, it is because you are trying to fix it yourself. If you are dealing with extreme anxiety, it is because you are trying to fix it yourself. If you are dealing with extreme fear, Candace's testimony resonated with mine. It's because you're trying to fix it yourself. The shame that you feel is because you feel like you have to fix it. It's not your responsibility to fix it. Shame will keep you, it will keep you from your answer. And, and that's, that's the plan of the enemy. And that's what I was talking about, living out the plan of the enemy. Shame will keep you from your answer. It will keep you from opening up. It will keep you from sharing. And, and we begin to cope with life. And, and I know this is a little bit heavy, but I want us to recognize the plan of the enemy so that we can break free from his bondage. Because that is God's will for us is to walk in freedom. To walk in freedom and not just for ourselves, like Pastor Patty said. It is for everyone else. For us to blaze a trail behind us so that women can come up and be set free. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so we begin to cope. And, and I heard uh, Pastor send us a message and she said, it doesn't say it is for coping Christ set us free. <laughs> we are so full of coping that we barely even know how to function. The church is full of coping Christians, and I was one of them. Raise your hand. I I need some solidarity. Raise your hand if you're a coping Christian. (laughs) All right. I was a coping Christian. I was coping, and it, it wreaked havoc on my physical body. It wreaked havoc on my mind, and coping can look like addictions, whether it's drugs, alcohol, pornography, even things like shopping, that can become a coping mechanism. Um, it can look like self-harm. It can look like really controlling behaviors. Uh, I, I started grinding my teeth at night to the point where I was knocking out teeth. And that's why my smile is not complete. It's because I was grinding my teeth so much and, and unconsciously doing it because of trying to cope with the amount of shame that I felt that I was grinding my teeth to nothing unconsciously. It will wreak havoc on your body when you're not set free. When you're not set free. And God wants to set us free. And it, it can also be um, busyness, like extreme busyness. Because the more busy you are, you don't have to think about your shame. So just keep staying busy, 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 busy. Never, never a moment of quiet. Um, lack of sleep. Anybody deal with anxiety? And you had no sleep for years and years and years. Oh, the first night when God set me free from anxiety and I slept. Those of you that deal with anxiety, you, you know what a good night's sleep, how precious that is, and what a gift from God a good night's sleep is. To have your brain shut off and sleep. Such a precious gift, and God wants it for you. He wants it for you today. Um, depression, toxic relationships are a coping mechanism. We're trying to hide, so we, we go to a toxic relationship. In verse 8, it says, when they heard the Lord, they hid from him. Jamie talked all about it. When you have shame, you hide. You hide. And I'm going to give another little angle to this. We hide from God. When we believe the enemy over God, it fills us with shame. And we, got, we start trying to fix it, and it doesn't take us long to realize, okay, I can't fix this. <laughs> I can't fix this. So what am I going to do? I'm going to hide from God. E- Adam and Eve realize, okay, I can't fix this. This is really bad. God's going to know. So we have to hide. <laughs> 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 
God's going to know that we totally messed up. So we're just going to hide from God. Okay? And how, how ridiculous is it? But we do it all the time. We do it all the time. We think, I'll just hide this from God. You know, we'll just keep this tucked away on a little shelf over here. Okay? And, and so we hide from God. So some hide by just outright rejecting God. They just reject God. They're like, I don't want to have anything to do with God. Some of us hide from God by um, not coming to church. Some of us hide from God by either not coming to church at all and saying, oh, that church is full of hypocrites. That's someone that's hiding from God. Yeah. It really is. It's someone that's hiding from God. And, and also um, maybe coming to church and um, only giving your bare minimum at church. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of shame involved. So we're hiding from God. Um, Pastor Marvin said God is in the body. So we hide from God because if we don't come to church, because that's God's body. That's God's body. And also maybe um, we don't read the scriptures like we know we should. If we aren't reading the scriptures, a lot of times it's because we're hiding. We're hiding from God. Because if we read the word, that's where the freedom is, guys. <laughs> that's where the freedom is. I can't tell you how many people tell me, I'm just too busy to read the Bible. If you're too busy to read the Bible, you're probably too busy to binge watch Netflix. But that's, that's I'm just saying. I'm just saying, okay? And so... People, and here's another one, and this was me, is people hiding from the call of God on their lives. And that was me. Hiding in plain sight. She said it so perfectly. Hiding in plain sight. Be in the church. And I would always say, I'm a behind-the-scenes kind of girl. You know, I don't, I don't want to be on stage, which I really don't. My personality is, is very, um, I would rather be behind the scenes. But I knew early on, and that's what Rita Springer said. The battles that I fought the most about being insecure and my voice not having, not having any value or any pull. And so I pulled back, as far back from stage as I could. I mean, I, I did children's ministry for a long time. And when the Lord finally said, okay, you need to stop hiding, you know, that, it was safer to hide from God because I didn't have to step out and be uncomfortable and I'm telling you this morning, this is really uncomfortable. <laughs> it's really uncomfortable, but it's so good for us. It's so good for us because we can meet God in our uncomfortableness. God is right there when you are uncomfortable. That's where he wants you to be. Because if you could do it yourself, you would have done it. So he wants you to be uncomfortable because then you have to lean on him to make it happen. And he gets the glory when we're uncomfortable and we step out anyways. And that's what God wants for us. It's the glory that he gets. It's not our, I heard a minister say, it's not in your strengths that God's going to use you. It's in your weaknesses that God is going to use you because then you have to depend on him to make it happen. God's the one that gets to do the work and gets to do the glory. And you, you get a little uncomfortable or a lot. Or a lot uncomfortable. All right? So they hid from God. And Satan wants to keep you hiding from God because if you remain ignorant, and, and then you then become, by default, in his plan, you still can, you can be controlled, and you stay in this cycle. And remember how it's his, his plan is one-size-fits-all, steal, kill, and destroy. God's plan is also one-size-fits-all. And it says, if you continue in John 10, 10, it says, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. That is God's plan for your life. That's God's plan. That's why the enemy tries so hard. Because God gave you, he puts you on this earth to live life and live it to the fullest. 
abundant life, abundant in every area of your life. And that's why Satan fights so hard, tooth and nail. And he doesn't play fair. He plays dirty. He plays dirty. He, he preys on our minds when we're two and three years old. He puts people in our lives that harm us, evil things, because he does not want us to live life abundantly, what God put us on this earth to do. And so he fights tooth and nail, and he fights dirty. But we win. We win. Amen. We win. That's what, when the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. It says he has made you more than a conqueror. I don't know what more than a conqueror could possibly mean, but I'll take it. You know, what's more than a conqueror? You already won. Amen? You already won. So it doesn't matter. When we finally get free of realizing, okay, this is the enemy. This is the enemy. And, and the enemy had convinced me that, I, that God was so disappointed in me. That here I was, I grew up in church, I had all this knowledge of the word, and God was so disappointed in who I turned out to be. Isn't that sad? Isn't it sad that God, that I really was convinced that I knew God loved me, but I wasn't sure that God liked me. That he was so disappointed in the woman that I became. Such a lie. And I'm glad that I recognized it, and I called him out, and I said, no more. No more. So I hid, and I hid, and I hid, and I hid. And then I started to blame. I blamed everything else in my life. I blamed my personality. Just like Adam and Eve, they started blaming. I hid. I blamed it on my personality. I blamed it on my temperament. I blamed it on the, the anxiety. I blamed it on the fear. I blamed it. Labels are our friend when we're hiding. Because then we can just cast it off. That's an excuse for us to say, oh, well, I allowed this in my life, but I don't want you to know that I allowed it into my life, so I'm going to say this is the problem. When in, really, in reality, it's that we believe Satan over God. And so that excuse becomes comfortable, and, and we love those labels. And I can't tell you how many church people, how many church people say, oh, my anxiety. Oh, don't, it's not your anxiety. That is hell's anxiety that God has placed on your mind to keep you from walking out God's plan for your life. And we are coping with medicine because the excuse, it's hard to face when we believe the lies of, of, to say, all right, guys, I believe Satan over God. <laughs> to just be honest enough to say, I believed Satan over God. It takes some guts, but that's where freedom is. That's where freedom is. And so he tries to keep us blaming it on other things. And I'm not saying, you know, like some people have some really traumatic things in their past. And that does not negate the pain of your past. Because you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you respond and what you believe about yourself when those things happen. When, a lot of times when people have been abused, they believe the lie that they're, they're disgusting, that they deserved it, that they're no good. And you can control that. You can control that, and you can say, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh, that lie has to go back where it came from, because the truth of the word of God says that I am not, that word, um, my pastor said, just close your eyes and hear what God is saying. I, I raised my hand, and then I was like, I'll just share it when I get up here, and he said, you're my girl, and I'm proud. Amen. He's not disappointed. And I promised I wasn't going to cry because I hate crying. 
It's the worst. And it's going to make my mascara look nasty. (laughs) But God is not disappointed. And this is the billion-dollar secret. This is the secret to freedom in your life, is to quit believing. Not quit believing your pastor. Not quit believing the word. Quit believing Satan. Quit believing his lies over God's. And get in church. Get in a small group. Get in your word. Start serving. Doing what God has called you to do. Because that's where freedom is. That's where you're going to find freedom. The more he can isolate you, the more and more and more and more you are going to feel the shame and the guilt and the condemnation. And God wants you free. God wants you free. Amen. Amen. So quit believing the lies of Satan. I want to turn with you really quickly because I'm almost done. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. We are trying, and this is where coping comes in, is we are trying to change ourselves from the outside in. We cannot change what we do until we change what we believe. And the church is full of people that are trying to change what they do before they change what they believe. And all that does is lead you to more bondage. It leaves you down a path of more bondage because you're trying to do it in your own power. Until you come to the end of yourself, God cannot do anything in your life. He has to be free to do it. And if you keep thinking, well, you know, I'll just keep doing this and I'll keep doing... Mine was, the more I read the word, the more I study the word, the more I read the word, the more I study the word, the more I read the word, I can get more knowledge and maybe God will be happy with me. Maybe God will be pleased if if he knows how much of this I know. Maybe God will finally be happy with who I am. So I... Guys, I know a lot of this. And yet I sat in church in so much bondage because I made it about me. I made it about me. And this is, this is life. This is not just a book of fairy tales. This is not information. This is a book of transformation. When you quit believing the lies of Satan and you actually replace your thoughts with God's thoughts about you, when you, when you quit thinking, because you can't just replace, like you're saying, I'm going to quit believing the lies of Satan. And what are you going to replace it with? You better not replace it with your own thoughts. That'll get you in a lot of trouble. That'll get you in a lot of trouble. The, David said, Lord, I don't even know my own heart. And that is the truth. That is the truth. It takes God to, to weed out. That's why the word is, is sharper than a two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit. We've we got to have the word we got to have the word to set us free. Replacing what Satan thinks about you with God's thoughts. And the more that you do it, the more free you get. And that's why it's walking out freedom. I've seen God set people miraculously free. And that's awesome. That's awesome. But 99% of the time, it's one step at a time. It is one step at a time. Casting down those thoughts, those imaginations, those rebellious thoughts that come into your mind and you cast them down and you make them obey Christ. And it says we have the authority to do that. We have the authority to take that thought that Satan has put in there, throw it on the ground and say, nope, that's not what God says about me. That God is not disappointed in me. God is proud of me. God loves me. God has set me free. 
And we, God wants us free. So worship team, if you'll come up, um, I asked them to play a song. It's my anthem song. This song came out just about the time that I was um, really starting to walk in this journey, and it became like, it's like my battle cry. And so I, I want them to play it. And as they're getting ready to play it, I want to share what the Lord kept, the, what he kept showing me as I was preparing for this. And in my mind's eye, he kept showing me a picture of, it's like a birdcage-like thing that was big enough to fit someone in. And inside was a woman, and she was faceless. So it was just a woman. And in this, she had so many chains on her that they were weighing her down. Like she, she was actually like down on the floor. She could not stand because of the weight of these chains. And they were so locked up tight that there was absolutely no way she could get out. And then on top of that, there was chains all over the door of this cage. Nobody, there was no way that she could get out. No way. And she was in there. At first she was alone. And then Jesus came in. And I know it sounds kind of weird and, and kind of religious, and, but I'm telling you this is what he showed me, is that Jesus came in, and he didn't just unlock. He ripped those chains with his bare hands. He did on the door first, and then he took the door off its hinges. And then he went to this woman, and he ripped the chains off of her as well. And the whole time, she can't see him. She can't see him. And she keeps picking the chains back up and putting them back on her. And she's crying out, God, why haven't you freed me from this? Why am I still suffering? And she's putting the chains back on her. And Jesus is standing next to her saying, you are free. You are loved. You are worthy. In my eyes, you are blameless. You are righteous. You are holy. You are free. And she's, she starts accusing God. Are you real, God? Are you faithful like you said you were? Guys, I realized that this woman was me. This woman was me. And I kept picking those up and then accusing God of not setting me free like he promised he would. And the whole time, he's just standing over me, speaking his words of life, his love. And he's there for you the same. He's standing over you. I love the line of this song that he's singing songs of deliverance. God wants to rescue you. He is singing over you. It tells us in the word that God sings over you. God loves you. And God wants you free. It doesn't matter what you're facing. It doesn't matter if it's fear. It doesn't matter if it's anxiety. It doesn't matter if it's shame. It doesn't matter if you're, you're embarrassed of your past. It doesn't matter if you're caught up in sin. Because we all know church people get caught up in sin sometimes. Yeah? It doesn't matter if you're caught up in sin. God wants you free. He wants you free. And so they're going to play this song. And I want you, if you feel so led to, to be a Mary. To be a Mary and just worship at God's feet. Because he is good and he is holy and he loves us. And it says over and over and over again about how he has set us free 
Christ came to set us free. And I read this morning, it said, Christ did not come to be angry with you. It was to set you free. God is not angry with you. God wants to set you free. That's why Christ came. So they're going to sing this song. And I just want you to come. Nobody's going to minister to you because I believe God is going to minister to you as you take a step of faith and you get a little bit uncomfortable and you meet him at the front and you unashamedly sing your song to him at his feet and you declare over yourself, I am no longer a slave to fear. Your blood runs through my veins. God is in you. You are so worthy to him that he put a member of the Godhead in you. In you. You are so worthy and so loved. And God wants you to receive everything that he has for you this morning. Amen? Amen. So.